millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You can do anything with an app. Order groceries. See faraway friends. And with Thumbtack, you can even fix up your house. Thumbtack's the app that finds local pros for you. It shows you prices, reviews, and when they're available. In a few taps, you can find a great plumber, cleaner, painter, pretty much anyone. So fix that broken sink. Get that accent wall. Handle your home projects the same way you do everything else with an app. Download Thumbtack today. Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 127 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick to my left. Hello, what's going on? Cullen Morrigan to my right. What's up, man? How are you? I thought Good. we were going to go into a whole, here I am. Stuck in the middle. Yeah. Nah. Next step. Played out. Is it played out? Yes. It's a great song, actually. Play what isn't played out. Us doing a live show. Oh, Very yeah. true, yeah. Because we haven't done that in a while. So it's if you true. missed last week's glorious announcement, we are going to the Workman's Club, not just for a night out. Well, it is a night out, but it's a different night out of sorts. No Encore Live returns to the Workman's Club as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival this year on Sunday, October the 14th. Tickets are €13, Euro, including booking fee, I believe. And you can get them now from Ticketmaster. That's right. I'm hype. Further That's announcements right. to come in the coming weeks and months and whatever the hell. But uh, yeah, long story short, go get your ticket so that we know that people are going to actually come to this thing. Brother. I'm convinced people will get tickets immediately. As they're listening right now, they're just like, oh, better put in me dates and get sorted. Put in me dates. Yeah. Yeah, it's Friday and it's not a bank holiday weekend, so you need something to get through the void. Like yeah. a <laughs> e-ticket from Ticketmaster. No Encore Live. Nothing like an e-ticket to brighten my weekend. Dave. No Encore Live, Workman's Club, Sunday, October the 14th, and we'll promise to be on our best behaviour. Are we, are proper tickets nearly gone at this point? What? I think they've done away with the option of actually getting tickets sent out to you. I don't know. They, they, I missed they, the they old sent out tickets like. to our last show last yeah. year. Yes, that's true. Yeah, because yeah, I, remember, I, remember, I remember I got them in the post uh, addressed to my girlfriend and I was like, what? Veil there. I was like, <laughs> what are these? Fiance. And she was like, they're yours. And I was like, what did you buy me tickets to? And she was like, no, it's your fucking show. I like how uh, slow. special moment. I, li- I like how, yeah, and that's when that's when she knew. <laughs> she <laughs> I like, was trapped. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're like, I got the tickets, like waving them at like <laughs> Neville Chamberlain securing yeah, peace yeah. in our time, brother. I yes, have yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But nothing went wrong. No, nope. as opposed to never it's just appeasement. Yeah. yeah, that could be you, listener. Get involved. Before that, though, um, I guess I've kind of put myself in a strange, almost double booking situation. Kind of, not really. 
I have not really. signed up to help broadcast a kind of a rival show, I guess. Uh, not really. Oh, is this part of the podcast? He'd, no. he'd love to be a rival. It's not on the same Sorry, night, John. is it? You're no. not going to be doing one of those ridiculous sitcom things where you're running back and forth. <laughs> you're like delaying. It's Dave's sliding doors moment, is it? <laughs> Sunday, August the 19th. And uh, this one is free, listeners. So don't prioritise or anything. But if you're, in, if, you're in, if you're in the area, if you want to go to Captain America's, I presume it's on Grafton Street. Yeah. Uh, John Barker, friend of the show, former guest host, who hosts Totally Irish every Sunday mm. yeah. on 98FM. Bit xenophobic, but whatever. He is doing an outside broadcast uh, at Captain America's. Small audience who will get to see the likes of Saint Sister and De Laurentiis, but more importantly, the main event lads. <laughs> Nadine O'Regan, yeah, <laughs> excellent. Is a, is a music panel Love with, with, with Nadine O'Regan, that's correct. <laughs> and joining Nadine O'Regan will be me. I'm in conversation. S- in conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay home and watch SummerSlam, mate. I might you go. are not. <laughs> not a chance. And I'll say this: we're, we're going to we're going to wrestling the night before. Yeah. Then we're going to watch NXT Takeover. Yeah. And I'm kind of you're going to be in a who? Yeah, I'm, right. I'm kind of off the booze at the moment, so it's going to be cork all over. But again. I feel like I've I've already earmarked the wrestling night for like fuck it, let's get tanked. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of state I'm going to be in. No, I'd be headbutting Ishii at about two a.m. the come, night before, come like Sunday. <laughs> but it'll be good. And uh, I, I know that friend of the show, Zara Hedman, has already. Got her name on the list. She's got her got booth it. in Captain America. <laughs> She'll be there. What's uh, on the agenda? Uh, I'll tell you general on, state of. I think industry? it's kind of like Irish albums of the year so far, and that oh, kind okay. of jazz. But I'll I'll find a way to work my own agenda in there, of course. <laughs> but speaking yeah. of agendas, and speaking of Zara Hedeman, um, you know, I'm not gonna, like I don't want this to drag on. Craig, she's requested another apology. Oh me? For what? This time from you. Of what am I apologising for now? Arctic Monkeys Review Gate. Oh, oh yeah, Jesus, which no. I was wholly in the right. Yeah, so what you're I'm saying with is Craig. You won't. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just going to say it. She has refused to return to the show until oh. <laughs> until her uh, apology. I is. believe this is in relation to um, the album review that she conducted with um, Tapley. Myself. Yeah, our, what's what's our nickname for his our reporter at large? Is that it or something? Doesn't Tapley have a roving reporter? Roving reporter. That's it. Roving reporter. David Tapley, Zara Hedman, um, who did a fantastic job in my absence, um, which I'm deeply grateful for, of course. Um, One of their tasks was tackling the new Arctic Monkeys album. I disagreed with a lot of their comments. Um, Colm did an amazing job of trying to rein them in. Some of the most outlandish things I've ever heard. This is not an apology. But it must be said. We're doubling down. (laughs) Please don't. I do think when I arrived the following week and took umbrage, it was not fair because they were not there to defend themselves, much like Alex Turner. And um, no, they did a fantastic job. They're entitled to their opinions, which I kind of hold in the highest regard. They're terrific musical critics. Um, but yeah, differing opinions. I apologize if I uh, drag their good names through the murk. But yeah, come back soon, please, because I love and miss you guys. And Cullum's just stayed silent. Right? <laughs> I think I said all I needed to. That at the was time, an though. apology, right? Hey, Craig, just you, a bit. Yeah. Did you go to the cinema yet and see Mission Impossible? No. Why is that? Life got in the way. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to take the scenic route. Because you went on like a fucking 12 hour, 18 hour bender, was it? Yeah, on my way to the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't at one point or another? I feel another. like Ethan Hunt would understand. <laughs> um, this Saturday I'm going. Right. Because um, I've been busy. Um, okay. But I'm also that. enjoying, like, knowing that it's out there. And I'm going to enjoy it, so it's like delayed. Just reveling in the knowledge. Yeah. Wow. Bask in the glory. It's going to be great, yeah. Fair enough. uh, I've turned into one of those people that eats a tiny bit of chocolate at a time. Savour it. Savour it, Craig. What, like an old woman? (laughs) Yes, I've turned into an old woman. Okay, I went to the cinema though. I went to two cinema experiences, night after night, this week. Okay. uh, In the company of a friend of the show, Dave Higgins. Right. And I went to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I forgot that was that. Okay. And then I went to see The Meg, starring Jason Satham. Oh, okay. That sounds good. And a massive shark. Was it fun? No. Oh, no. I wouldn't imagine so. It was, both fair. films were very disposable in their way. Ant-Man, no. Ant-Man was totally I fine. I thought Ant-Man was going to be hard-hitting heavyweight it's commentary. It's Tuesday, man, and I didn't even pay for my ticket, so it's fine. And I didn't pay for the ticket for the Did you make Higgs pay you? No, I'm broke, and he offered to pay. <laughs> oh, my God. Good I'll get the Higgs. next one. Oh, sure. We've done this before. It's our it's our regular mandate. That Higgs, Higgs, Higgs. Yeah, I tell you. Um, <laughs> you know, it's worth it just for his company, so. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, yeah, the Meg is pretty bad. Okay. Uh, it's got two yeah. great moments, though. One is when an actor notes that the giant shark that they're up against, quote, has already proven aggressive towards boats. Okay. 
And also, the, that actor later dies in the film, spoiler alert, okay. and during his kind of non-funeral, there's a very solemn black and white photo of the man, which is quite clearly the actor's headshot. Oh, I love nice. when that happens. Yeah. And I googled favorite. it, and it is! Yeah. Nice, <laughs> that's, that's excellent. Favorite. So yeah, it was pretty good. Now, I mean, like, those visual, high-octane experiences, that's one thing. You might think, can't get much worse, Dave. Didn't pick the best option there. Well, I'll tell you something, listener. Gotta cast your mind back now to 2006, and I'm gonna do so with some audio. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty, yes you do. Times Square can shine as bright as you, I swear it's true. Hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance. That's right. The Plain YT's number one hit, Hey There, Delilah, is being adapted into a scripted television series some 12 years on. Have we actually run out of ideas? Like, is that what's happening now? Yeah. I can't wait for the reboot in two years. Um, yeah. It's a scripted romantic dramedy. Uh, this is one of my least favorite songs of all time, I think. I it's was just. A colossal. It was so it ubiquitous. Is hugely it's annoying. So vanilla Nightmare. and horrible. Can I say what I'm really hoping happens here is that it gets like, and I mean the full Hollywood treatment as in like, you know, meetings with producers where they're like, so we like totally love the concept, but like the test groups just didn't respond to Delilah. We think she should maybe be called like June and hey there is such a like meh greeting. How about like sup? So we have a show called Sup June. Yo June! It, and it's going to be about a girl who's not done with school in two years, but rather is finishing up at the circus in a week and is dating somebody who's like, I don't know, you know, a graphic designer Are rather than a singer-songwriter. I could be. Now that I now that I start talking about it, Sup June really could have a run. I would watch Sup June. <laughs> okay, hang on. Uh, for anyone who somehow escaped 2006 without hearing Hair There, Delilah, how would like you 11 des- year olds yeah describe the song like, what's it about <laughs> insipid acoustic ballad about a long distance relationship between a singer songwriter and a student across the country yeah I remember thinking at the time it was very much taking what like Con- Conor Oberst does and just watering it down for like the most mass consumption possible yeah. it, it reminds me a bit as well of um, like hey, hey Soul Sister it's of that ilk where it's just so vapid and nothing but it's trying very desperately to be earnest and um, there's not like there's a bit of narrative in it but it's not exactly like Dylan. I'm, I'm, I don't know how. I don't know what they're trying to tease out of this song that we haven't heard, or we like what hidden depths it has. Well, I'm glad you asked because Lively McCabe Entertainment, who are one of the uh, business types uh, behind this atrocity, I think we can we can fairly label it. And um, they're excited, as you might imagine. Yeah, it's been more than a decade since Hey There Delilah was released, and people always ask me about it. Hang on, is this the guy who wrote it? Am I reading the wrong quote? I'm reading the wrong quote. People, oh, hang on. Yeah, like, let's use my... my I, feel, I hope it is the guy that wrote let's it. Let's use my like, mistake here. If it's just some random producer <laughs> being like, every time I meet someone new, they're just like, hey, you're a hater, Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> so the songwriter has said that he's so excited to have an opportunity to give a new generation the chance oh, to form their own connection with the, the song alone, and fall in love with its story through this new project. Live Entertainment person did say that's a perfect example of an iconic story song that has introduced characters and a premise to a massive multi-generational audiences and is begging to be expanded into a full-length story for contemporary TV. No. I just think Lively McCabe is a fun name. Maybe Mark McCabe should think about it when he has children. Like, Lively McCabe. <laughs> so, so, sounds like a winning sort know. of girl. I don't know. I looked into what the song's actually about. And your man, it's about a real female person. And a real female person who, oh, as opposed to a Japanese pillow who the, this dude like met once I think and right. nothing romantic went on but he was like pining away for her and it turned out that she was like a really good like runner to the extent that she nearly got into the US Olympic team in okay. 2012 and like she has her own kind of modicum of fame as well outside of all, all of that is her name Delilah? No, yeah okay. it's Del- Delilah it's some fancy surname as well it's a, it's a pretty ba- a badass name but there's there's just no story there you're not suggesting that a singer-songwriter became infatuated with someone and then wrote a really creepy song about it, are you? Oh, yeah, and within the song, he promises Hi, to write passenger. even more songs to make her fall even more in love with him. And she's not in love with him. <laughs> Twelve years, though. I mean, uh, that's the shocker here. I mean, I could maybe understand this if it was at the height. You it's... feel like the ship has sailed, like... Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know. I'm going to say this now. Uh, it'll be given a one-season order, and it won't 
air the. You think full, it'll die at pilot? Yeah, no, 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 it won't die at pilot. It'll be like six episodes in, it'll be pulled. Okay. I don't think it'll get past pilot. Really? Yeah, that's what All I'm right. saying. Ten series. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, someone who is experiencing difficulties of their own with regards to audiences and wanting to see him is Johnny Depp. And yeah, when right. I went to see those two films this week, I saw the trailer for... I love that it's called this, by the way. I love that he's front and centre for a film called The Crimes of Grindelwald <laughs> and him playing that character. Uh, Johnny Depp has uh, been accused of some very, very nasty behaviour and we don't support that. Uh, he does have a film or did have a film coming out called City of Lies which focuses on the investigation into the, in the murder of the notorious B.I.G. starring Johnny Depp as Detective Russell Poole and Forrest Whitaker as reporter Jack Jackson. This was scheduled to come out at the start of September. Trailer surfaced a couple months ago. It looks very generic and it has been inexplicably and mysteriously just pulled. Yeah. Do you reckon it's Stephanie Depp related? Could be. It could be anything. I mean, especially with something of this nature where obviously that case was never closed, could there be legal... Do you know what I mean? There might be some dodgy stuff in it that they had to cut out. That and the fact that the Unsolved documentary has done a very good job about the death of Biggie and Tupac for that matter. But uh, yeah, it might just be really bad timing to release a film that presumably is not going to be as honest and truthful and accurate. And it's like, whatever about a documentary, but how does, like, there's no real end to this story. I, I just can only imagine it's a deeply unsatisfying film. I have a counterpoint to that, though. Zodiac. Yeah, which I do love, in fairness. That is a good shout. Although I think that, yeah. I mean, I, I listened recently to a kind of podcast series about those murders, and um, it just becomes, it was like a three-part thing, and by, like, halfway through the second episode, you're like, jeez, this is so, like, labyrinthine, as it says there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's so many loose ends, so much kind of hearsay. I don't think there's a strong court with so I wouldn't have seen it anyway. So no loss to me, right? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, in slightly Johnny Depp related news, Cullum, what famous nightclub is closing down or being sold off? London. No, sorry, that was the answer to a different question. <laughs> the Viper Room. Um, yes, uh, I, I love this opening sentence. Right, I don't know where you got this report from. But the opening sentence is just like SEO wet dream sort of scenario <laughs> where it's just like on LA's Sunset Strip, once owned by Johnny Depp and home to high stakes poker games that included Tobey Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio and was the site of River Phoenix's overdose death in 1993. Get more fucking celebrities into a sentence, <laughs> why don't you? Uh, either way, anyway, yeah, apparently it is being sold up. Um, there's 16,000 square feet of space and 38,000 square feet of land if you are a property connoisseur listening to the show. And uh, yeah, valued at $80 million, which is a decent chunk of change. Yeah, and I think the thing is, there's no development plans kind of put in place or anything saying how it should kind of be, the space should be used. So yeah, it's looking like, I mean, exactly what's have happening you been to, to Dublin. Have you been to Hollywood? Uh, no. Shit no, hole. I've been to Reno, though. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. It's the sleaziest place I've ever been. I'm shocked. Ah, nice. I inadvertently once booked a hotel in Brussels Red Light District. Like, <laughs> How did that go? Hollywood is way worse. It's absolutely wrong. Worse than Vegas, like? Oh, yeah. Vegas is positively nice compared to so this. So what, like, what are we talking about? Well, like, Vegas is well-maintained, whereas I'm talking like lots of dilapidated buildings and yeah. huge homes problems and very, yeah. It's really sleazy, sleazy as yeah, well. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Mm. Viper Room, uh, even outside of River Phoenix's famous and tragic death, uh, is quite sleazy in various other ways. It was the home to high-stakes poker games played by DiCaprio, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon, which was popularised in the film Molly's Game, which I also went to see with Dave Higgins on our Tuesday night jaunts. Did he pay for that one as well? No, 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 no. I held my own on that one um, because I usually have money. And uh, that film is terrible, by the way. Like, really, really bad. Aaron Sorkin, it's his directorial debut. And the opening sequence is so rapid fire with the camera movement and the dialogue. Aaron Sorkin, surely not. It's Aaron Sorkin emptying a full fucking clip on the audience. I thought I was going to have a seizure. Could people be walking and talking in the same scene? (laughs) Dreadful (laughs) film. And also, uh, Slipknot lead singer Corey Taylor was once arrested at the venue for kicking at a window in front of police. So I feel like he didn't think that one through. Oh, right. Uh, Counting Crows frontman Pussycat Dolls had their show there They did And Counting Crows frontman Adam Juritz Friend of Craig Fitzpatrick kept Yeah nice guy I like that hit. The anecdote about him Is that he kept his bartending job Just a nice guy all around <laughs> Just in case it didn't work out That was after um, his debut album Went triple platinum So he really liked the place The only people I knew in LA He said were the people Who worked at the Viper Room So that's where I would hang out It was fun If only he'd been Don't he just hang out with Craig I know Leaflet right? Should I say Well we can all do that Yeah 
Would yeah, you hang out invite. with one night we were we were in the Workman's Club, site of our forthcoming live show, by the way. Uh one time and we, we we found out after the fact that Morrissey was downstairs. Remember that? I do, yeah, it was very exciting. And it was back oh, was when the... Morrissey wasn't quite as bad as he is now. He was beloved, if anything. And we were kinda like, Oh man, we should have told you oh damn it. I think he was with Robbie Keane of all people. Yeah, right? yeah. He's um is he like second cousin to Robbie Keane or something like that? Oh, they you're were right, hanging yeah. out for a while. Like. Was Damien Dempsey there as well? He loved it. I think Damien. it must have been there was someone he was there to say, yeah. Yeah. But he, that he was that's Damien. one of his haunts, isn't it? I believe so. This um, is a link, though, Craig. It is a link because Morrissey's back in the news. Um, Morrissey, it turns out, is not a racist, according to his manager, um, Peter Katzis of Dexter. Um, he's basically come out and, you know, slammed the enemy who've been on a bit of a campaign. I mean, you could say going back to the 90s, um, trying to talk about Morrissey's kind of slightly more troublesome leanings. Obviously, that's kind of escalated and far more publications have come on board with... Um, you know, decrying kind of Morrissey statements of late about everything from immigration to, uh, well, basically, <laughs> I don't know, any kind of hot button topic, Morrissey yeah. seems to take the contrarian stance. He's, he's a real rent quote these days, isn't he? He is. And actually, he's, his manager is a bit of a rent quote as well, as Fuck it turns me. out. So he put up a, a quite a long statement, um, which I won't read all of, but it's. It's basically a lot of kind of enemy is fake news. Um, enemy stands for now mostly excrement. Um, the reason it no longer that exists. Is, that's yeah. so bad. <laughs> the Guardian of Rock music is even worse. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. They have to stop printing copies. Not because no one buys magazines. Print publications like Q and Kerrang still exist. Because they remember who they are. But not enemy. They forgot who they were. Um, I which think we've I d- said previously on this yeah, show. Yeah, I do, so. I do enjoy... Like, when you... Put a statement. So you're endorsing this, are you? Crazy? Yes, and everything, Martin. No. <laughs> when you when you have a statement when, when you have a statement like this that's kind of formatted into separate lines, I find myself looking for a rhyme it's and like a meter where yeah. there is none. Yeah, it's pretty bad slam poetry. Yeah. I like the way he keeps referring to Marcy as M as well, so it just keeps reminding me of like Judy Dench. Or I like when Madonna Moriarty. tried to make people <laughs> call her Esther. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I I will agree that Enemy has problems. Uh, chief, oh, without a doubt. Chief of which being its website, which is perhaps the biggest. Hot well, that's mess. it. Like, really, isn't it? But the website. All it is is the website. But it's now. only a website. But the now, design yeah. of that website. Like, I mean, like when we source stories for this podcast, like, I mean, anytime Craig might send me a link to the Enemy, I'm I'm, I'm at the stage now where I'm like, I ain't clicking that man <laughs> because it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. It's just pop ups and weird design and videos that autoplay and ads that just keep getting in your way. It's so badly put together. But they have the kind of most choice Liam Gallagher quotes, though, so it's, it's true, always yeah. good to check I out. Take the bad, um, bad and yeah, he, go, really yeah, he goes on to say it's become a bit of the TMZ of music news, which is probably a fair shout. Yeah. Good riddance, he says. There's a bit of a tradition amongst the three of us here. Now, admittedly, Cullen has kind of like dragged his feet on this, I'd say, in recent months and times, and he's the man who started it as well, which makes it all the more curious. But Cullen is a big fan of The Big Shop. Oh, I love The Big Shop, yeah. Why don't you tell us all about it? I mean, there's not an awful lot to tell. Uh, it's basically just like going to a supermarket and buying all the stuff you'll need for about a month. It's the way for, you do it, though. Except for perishable goods. Yeah. You send us photographs of the trolley as it was filling up. Yeah. And then we get the big receipt at the end of it. Yeah, the big receipt hanging out of my mouth, Pete Dunn It was great, and then but, you stopped doing it. You really stock up when you're like... Oh, yeah. In, you know, oh, it's legendary. Flight. It really is, If yeah. you've seen those photographs, I promise you. Well, there's another one next week, okay? So, so oh, great. Hold, hold your breath. I might come through this time. I'm excited. Bring it back, man. Well, I mean, you're not the only one who enjoys a bit of grocery shopping. It turns out that uh, Fast and Furious Sensation Ludacris is quite a fan of it himself. How is that the first thing you note with Ludacris? Have you seen the Fast and Furious movies? Of course I have. Uh, they might be in line for that new Oscar that's been revealed this week. Popular film Oscar. Popular film Oscar. <laughs> I mean, there's an argument to be made that Ludacris is a very, very underrated rapper. Um, but I'm not going to make it. Um, okay. Yeah, it's true though. Is it? Yeah, he actually has quite a decent flow when people said, yeah, oh, if you like, listen to his yeah. stuff, aside from the ridiculous hits and the, you know, constant Luna. Well, he, just, Luna. he yeah. justifies his presence in the, in the Fast and Furious franchise, I'll say that much. Um, that Oscar, by the way, I mean, come on. Oh, it's like, nonsense. We have to give Black Panther something. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's not that they have to give it something. I think they were worried that it was going to win proper awards. So they've made it its own little category so the best picture can go to something quote-unquote worthy. It's so patronising. I know, it's, it's awful. 
Oh, fuck. Okay, so anyway, long story short, uh, there was a viral Facebook post this week in, in which um, a lady by the name of uh, Thara Gwyn Jaramillo yep. had written at length about how in a moment of financial desperation, a friend had given her a $250 gift certificate to the fancy groceries emporium known as Whole Foods. Which is exactly what you fucking need, right? Go on. Like, I'm short on cash. Here's a voucher for Whole Foods. <laughs> well, she's... It's the, it's the equivalent. Like, it's the equivalent of actually, yeah, being broke here and somebody buying you a fucking voucher for Fallon and Burn or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. No, bring me to Little, like or the cinema. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, you guys are so jealous of what me and Dave Higgins have. Oh, I think we all are. That's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I wish like, we could someone paying for me for the cinema. Yeah. Can I say the man enjoys his ice cream and I enjoy his company? So there we go. Fuck me. I don't know if there's any ice cream uh, a hole at the end of the tub. Is purchased. <laughs> don't bring down the tone. During this situation. During the ludicrous story. Because, uh, she was in line and it turns out she'd overspent her voucher. Yep. Bit greedy. And uh, a man, a very nice gentleman known as Chris, just a guy, as he said, mm-hmm. stepped in and offered to pay for what she thought was, you know, the balance. But no, no, no. He wanted to buy everything. And he did. He did that. And then someone said to her, you know who that is, right? It turns out it was big ludicrous. Yep. And this story, of course, in the age that we live in, has become a, a nice human interest piece. And a local Atlanta news station sat down with the lady in question and had a chat about it. And that sounds bizarre. And that sounds like this. Tears filled Thera's eyes right there at checkout, not recognizing at first that the man who told her that his name was Chris was Chris Ludacris Bridges. Atlanta's own megastar performer and rapper and business mogul, she hugged him, he left, and that's when the cashier spoke up. And she goes, you know that's a famous rapper, you know that's Ludacris. And I went, what? And I, I screamed. I screamed. Farah went home still stunned, told her friends on Facebook. They shared her story. The post went viral about this surprise encounter at a checkout line that she says people see as much more than a stranger, a star, buying someone's groceries in a time of need. What the hell is with that guy's voice? I think he's a computer right. program. That is it, Windows it 95 is. levels yeah, yeah, yeah. of like, oh, just like speaking speller or, or some kind of speech like dictator thing. It's bizarre, right? It is very odd. I'm yeah. convinced not that whoever human. was posted that report had the night off and they were like, what do we do? And then they found some colossal computer from it's the some 80s. some program, yeah. Can I say the real MVP of this whole story is uh, her Facebook friend who was like, she posted beneath this and she was like, in response, I have bought his latest CD and included a thank you on the review on Amazon. <laughs> that's just lovely, Again, that's not what we need here. Give the tenor to fucking Terragwin Yaramillo to pay for her ludicrously expensive water oh. heater. When she was told... $2,000, Teresa, what are you doing? When she was told it was ludicrous and like he was famous and she went like completely apeshit about the whole thing, she clearly just didn't even know who he was, right? She, like... She, I, I feel like she milked it. If you've read the Facebook post, she milks the Facebook. It's so overwritten. Like it's she so, claims it's so to have burst into a rendition oh, of Rolex. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, so Sorry, you're a super fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is much more wholesome than like Drake doing a music video where he wanders around giving out cash. Like sure. This is just an impromptu thing. And that's why Ludacris will always be better than Drake. The New York Times have looked into this with uh, some forensic journalism of their own. They spoke to his manager, the spectacularly named Chakazulu. Mm-hmm. And Chaka confirms, from time to time, he shops by himself, and he also helps out <laughs> other people financially when he can. The funny thing is, he does these things all the time, but he doesn't want to do interviews to highlight it. It's just his heart. Aww. What a Good great, bloke. What a great guy. He is Tell you what. Guy. Invite Tell him what. to the cinema next time. I officially invite him to No Encore, if he ever wants to come on the show and have a chat about it. And if he wants to buy my groceries, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay I'll bring with him on that. the big shop. Right, so we mentioned Drake being a bad rapper. Well, he's back this week. That's right. It's another Drake album. Oh, no, hang on. Thank God it isn't. It's Travis Scott, who has a lot of friends for company on his murky, hypnotic, and odd Astro World. Yeah, yeah. Parked the days in it, taking no days in. Yeah. Don't need a vacation, I need a replacement. All right. the lights out as soon as we came in. Yeah. What are they talking about? What is pertaining? Yeah, yeah. Need me a therapist to ask if I'm aging. Is it me? Do you feel caved in? I am my demons invading. I live here, no hesitating. They biting, they biting the cadence. Go out their way, it's okay. Just lock the doors at the basement. I got a gate with my face in it. 
brand new, brand new, this new place I got to New world, new sky, that's so blue, it's black too New growth, new growth, all these space are outgrown That was Carousel, track two of 17, and it includes our boy Frank Ocean on the track. Drake is on there as well, as are lots of other people. So I'm going to get this out of the way real quick before we go to Craig for a Travis Scott primer. And I'm going to just say this right now. I'm sick of saying it, as you are of hearing it. 17 tracks is way too much, and it really, really harms this album in particular. Craig, who is Travis Scott and why should we care? Travis Scott has been around for about half a decade now. Um, his debut mixtape, El Faro, kind of showed a lot of promise. Um, and, like, right off the bat, like, he's, you know, he's this is such a star-studded album, but even before he was known, he was just, he just had a massive knack for getting huge names to get on board and support him. So, like, so Kanye T.I., um, Justin Vernon was on, like, his, his mixtape when he initially came out, mm. and he's continued in that fashion. He does a lot of auto-tune stuff. He's very much one of those rappers that doesn't have a lot to rap about and, and not a lot of skill when he's doing it. Um, but he finds talented producers. He seems to be good at corralling people together. He's like a better um, DJ Khaled, maybe. Um, he's also kind of hooked up with Kylie Jenner, leave, which means yeah. he is... He's kind of. He's the father of her child. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean that they're together. I mean, I don't know what their kind of living situation is. 2018, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so he's, what, like a billionaire by proxy? And, yeah, um, basically, he's part of that clan He's, he's now, doing very well for a man entering his late 20s, essentially. <laughs> and this is album number three, That's and this fair. is like the big step up, too. He's already kind of a huge name, and he's doing headline shows, and this is like his headline album. And he yeah. headlined Longitude, as a matter of fact, yeah. as well. That's Cole right. Morrigan, what's your take on this, gentlemen? Uh, first of all, I don't actually mind the length of the album. I think it moves at a bit of a clip. Uh, partially, that's because it shifts and changes shape as it goes. Um, I'm just not convinced it's all that great when it does. Uh He's got a lot of style, and as Craig says, he seems to be fantastic in terms of kind of like putting together uh, a team of people that can help him do what he wants. I'm just not sure he has an awful lot to say. I quite enjoy the way he says it, because it's actually an album that sounds great. The production is fabulous, pretty much throughout. But a lot of it is just fairly empty, sort of like, you know, bragging about his wealth, shout-outs to his baby mama, as Craig mentioned. There's just not a lot of substance beneath it all. No, there's not. And even, like, even kind of the very surface stuff that he's discussing, he's not doing it in an interesting way. Um, I mean, his bars are pretty atrocious. And it's quite telling at times when the tracks become a little more stripped down when there's not as many kind of guests on it when in the quieter moments where it's him front and center um which is rare because throughout his entire career it's been production up front um his galaxy of stars and him kind of guiding things yeah. when he's kind of unvarnished and alone uh he's kind of floundering <laughs> he doesn't I, really have a lot to say I, I can't help but feel that he's hamstrung himself because i saw an interview with his like he's described as an A and R man, which is ridiculous because you don't have an individual A and R person. But uh, Sycamore is kind of like a right hand man for Travis Scott, and he said uh, we built the concept of the album first, and then we tried to fill it in. Um, I love concepts; it's easier to work within an overall concept. Concept albums are the shit. To which I say, no, they are not. I find myself, I used to always almost just as a instinct rebel against the idea of a concept album. And then I found myself realizing that, wait, a lot of the albums I really love are, in fact, mm-hmm. concept albums. And isn't every album a concept album? That's the question. Uh, but I agree with you. I think if you come at it from a point of view of whether it's pure vanity and overindulgence and you could have been a lot more ruthless with your editing... Or as you kind of say there, well, we had the concept first and then we like tried to fill it in. That doesn't inspire me with confidence. And the concept yeah. of this album, I guess, is some kind of futuristic, strange nightmare theme park, I suppose? Yeah, Basically, it's, it's yeah. It's named for a kind of long abandoned um, actual theme park in Houston. I guess that is just used as a focal point to... Like, there is a lot of discussion about the scene he came from um, and Houston, and it does have its own distinctive style, which I think he does quite well and he pays homage to. Um, the shout-outs to, you know, the likes of DJ Screw on R.I.P. Uh, Screw. Um, so he does... That is as close as you get to a bit of heart and soul to this record, I think. Um, he is, you know, he does honour his roots. Um, 
and he kind of is that standard bearer for the scene, I guess. But that aside, there's nothing really personal to it. Yeah, I mean, I found myself kind of wondering why he hadn't really appeared on my radar outside of knowing who he is, mm. but never really sitting down listening to him before. And this was the first album I really kind of dedicated some time to and, you know, went all in. And I think ultimately he's clearly got presence and some charisma, but he's kind of a bargain basement ASAP Rocky, isn't he? I mean, like, 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 there's just not a lot here. It's and... one of the comparisons that you're gonna hear, all right, with this record in particular, I think, because it does bank on that sort well, of. Well, I don't want to be derivative, but like that is what came to mind. Yeah. I mean, also. I think, as surface listens go, the surface is glorious. Like, I mean, as you say, the production is absolutely fucking it's, sensational. Yeah, luxuriant. It really, yeah. really is. I mean, I genuinely, you know, I know we bang on about good headphones, guys, but seriously, it is. Like, it's clearly mastered and mixed that way. And money was fucking thrown at this thing, or just exceptional producers were selected and allowed free reign, because with the idea of it being, you know, this kind of thing to take you over, it does that. Yeah, like fucking great stuff. It manages to do it from the off. The opening track, "Stargazing," is almost two tracks in one, and I think the split kind of works. Like I don't, I don't feel jarred too much by it, even though it is a jarring maneuver. You, then you go into "Carousel," which I think is a pretty great song. I think yep. Frank's great on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Drake coming up after that, and he's quite lively and good. Um, there's a moment, and I will confess that I thought James Blake was Sam Smith when I first heard it. <laughs> really? He sounds a bit like him. Come on. Uh, it's but, but. It's a spectacular turn from James Blake on Stop Trying to Be God, which is one of the more interesting tracks on there. A track that successfully meanders. This is an album that successfully meanders, but it meanders too much. And once again, I understand what you're saying the moves of the clip. It is only 57 minutes, you know, over, over 17 tracks, but it's simply too much of a thing. You're gorging on this album. Like, you hit a point where you're like, no, no, no more for me, please. And they just keep fucking wheeling out the neon dessert. And I'm like, no, no, no more. Thank you very much. I think the man has presence, I think the man has charisma, but I would agree that he has pretty much nothing to say. And it is interesting how you can craft an hour-long deep dive into this weird world, because world-building here is good. He manages to create worlds. His, I guess, his kind of team selection, you know, for his fantasy football league that he's putting Mm -hmm. together here, top-notch. Yeah. But why does it feel as disposable as Ant-Man and the Wasp? I think one of the weird things about it as well is that it's track 17 where he seems to be most honest and most self-reflective. A coffee bean has these lyrics about what you presume is his welcome to the Jenner slash Kardashian family. Yeah, and yeah. he does open up a bit. Yeah, and, 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 and it's like, well, you've had 54 minutes to show us some of this, and it just wasn't forthcoming. Yeah, and I'm... Is that incapability or just, like, a, a, a lack of desire or what? I think it might be the, like, Paris Hilton effect. Like, do you remember when she released her debut album years ago? Will I, I ever forget? Like, yeah. she had, you know, it sounded Stars immaculate. It sounded immaculate and she had a great team around her, but she just didn't want it enough because she was rich. And I think he's just set now and he's just he's going to hang out with his great mates. Three stars in Rolling Stone, that, uh, yeah. that uh, Paris Hilton album. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Um, uh, and meanwhile, this has been getting great reviews. Um, yeah. I think there is a narrative forming around he's like something akin to a new Kanye where like the kind of curator word has been thrown around a lot um sure i yeah, think and I'm, if, there's moments where I, that works for me and it makes sense um am i right in saying is it mike mike dean mike dean's yeah. exec producer yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I was, I, I was about to say there. it and i was just like he's a football ref yeah. come on stop it yeah he, Superstar you're gonna make ref. a fool of yourself there was a, a song with kanye <laughs> as well which um actually didn't make the cut it was just kind of released as a lucy but um it, there's kind of arguments for that in patches here I think um, you know moments where like Sway Lee comes in it's, it's a really kind of captivating thing I like the way The weekend is used in a kind of different way mm-hmm. um, is I it think, all that different though that, I, that's oh, on yeah, a track which so. is just about you know oh man one night stands and no, bitches but I, I, I think more aesthetically and in terms of yeah, no, the palette of sounds the guitar yeah, no, I agree it's with a that, kind of interesting context for him also that is one of the more egregious <laughs> like oh wow this isn't even just like if your fucking your dad heard this, he'd be like, "Oh, it's all guns, bitches, and bling, isn't it?" And it's like, "Well, it actually is on this one." <laughs> no, yeah. it actually is. Yeah. Like you're like really like you just had a fucking kid, mate. I mean, yeah. like, do you need to be thrown out these lyrics? You know, I, I don't think you do. It's a bit. It's so generic mm. and done. But I'm I w- done with it. Yeah, but I wonder. I mean, just you know, as a kind of creator and someone that's creating worlds, he doesn't seem to be at the center of it ever, really. And also, 
I mean, probably more shout outs have to go to the producers, the likes of Mike yeah. Dean and Hip Boy, uh, Frank Jukes, who do some great work. When it comes to trimming the fat or kind of keeping a narrative on course, he doesn't seem capable of doing it. There is that kind of towards the back end. There's a run of about five songs where they're very samey. It yeah. seems quite redundant. They could have all gotten the chop. And I think it's kind of telling that. Uh, Drake's performance on uh, Sicko Mode, which is a great song, and there are great moments on this, is the most talked about thing. I think it's probably better than anything you produce on Scorpion, but still, he's getting more chatter around him online than anything Travis himself is delivering, which I think sums it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, clearly this album is going to do well. It's been very well reviewed, and he's got the sort of profile that it's going to do all right anyway. Is it his jump to the mainstream? Oh, I'm not so sure. I mean, I just don't think he's saying enough for it to do that. I think there's a couple of people who are going to do very well out of it. And Dan Tolliver, who's on uh, Can't Say, Mm -hmm. which is one of the better songs, especially towards the tail of this album, which does kind of fail to wag somewhat. Um, But I think he's fantastic. I think he could be a breakout. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an enjoyable listen. At its best on like a kind of Stop Trying to Be God, when he does that spacey, almost psychedelic, swampy thing he can do, it can be quite hypnotic, but then it just gets a bit tired and sleepy. He's a tourist in his own beautifully constructed theme park. It's 5.5. It's uh, 6.5 for me. I'll give it a 6, yeah. All right. All right. Um, let's do it, guys. You know what time it is. Oh, yeah. Time for you to give me a number. Craig Patrick. Um, number one, please. The David. Dodos! <laughs> Indie folk rock the kind Dodos. of duo. They're back. Track called Forum. The Dodos, a band that first came on my radar about 10 years ago. They had an album called Visitor, I think, but they had a song on there called Fools, which is still to this day one of my favourite songs. They've kind of always been around. They've been one of those bands, like they must have been on Sub Pop at some point, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. They're like kind of a like middle America folky kind of thing, but mm-hmm. always very upbeat. Well, not always, but they, they're really good at the upbeat stuff. And for two lads, they managed to create a, quite a propulsive sound, I would say, like, you know, kind of always chattering and moving like that song fools they mentioned there almost it, it has you know uh, to kind of paraphrase simpsons the momentum of a runaway freight train right uh, because <laughs> it has that kind of weird like locomotive thing going on which yeah. i love it's and it instantly grabs you it takes you on a journey uh, you know, so they've just been jobbing musicians, I suppose, with never any kind of massive mainstream level of success. This song isn't going to change that. It's kind of more of that same, but I'm okay with more of that same. I enjoyed this. I think you're right in terms of the momentum. For me, there's almost too much of it for a four-minute song. I kind of found myself thinking, God, they've been going a while here, haven't they? <laughs> you know, it, I think just because it jumps out of the traps, I was just like, this could probably lose a minute and this would be fine. Yeah, it's a, like a very promising start. And it has that stabbing almost like... Um, string based thing it reminded me a bit of like a street hassle uh, Lou Reed thing like right. it felt very kind of tense and claustrophobic but also there ha- was like an undercurrent of like grandeur like it was going to burst into life and while there's a lot of kind of stuff going on and bubbling under surface it doesn't really come alive enough for me it just kind of it does that kraut rock thing of just yes chugging along and it's, it's fine and it's grand I don't know if they offer enough ver- variety in their vocals it's quite monochrome um but yeah, it's it's diverting enough whilst it's there. Probably, it stays its welcome slightly, you know, despite the kind of initial promise. Um, it's totally fine. I'd much rather when you know the likes of Brian Jones, Hellmasker, tackle this s- sound and add a bit more color to it, and maybe switch up the tempo and stuff. Sure. Sound of the autumn. Uh, can <laughs> I have a number, please, Cullum? Number four. It's you, me at six. Jesus. With I O U. I O U.
So, You, Me, at Six, or YMAS, as I guess they are abbreviated to, a band I've seen the name of everywhere for years, but never actually listened to. Oh, Craig, really? Craig was about to change that this week. Yeah, they he, the song out and I put on the long list, and he, here we are. <laughs> when he parachuted into our long list, and I kept it in the shortlist. Uh, they're a band from, like, Surrey or somewhere. Um, I think they arrived during like peak um, landfill indie mm-hmm. years, but also yeah. they seem to straddle that line really well of probably being in the enemy when pages of the enemy when it was in print, and uh, Marcy wasn't quite as annoyed with them. And also they kind of seemed to do quite well with the Kerrang crowd, and they had kind I of follow boy were, influences. I and, thought they were emo. Yeah. I assumed because of the people I would see posting about yeah, them, and just too. like yeah. even the name, I was like, surely this is like. I'm going to get a straight up emo banger here and it's kind of like uh, Royal Blood's older brother. Yeah, it's it, they seem now to be in this thing where they come out of the traps with like a Black Keys-esque or Royal Blood-esque kind of like bluesy thing. Which is fine. And, yeah, and they try and be anthemic. Uh, this... Uh, it's a bit too... Is, it, it sounds like they came up with a riff like during practice and then the singer was just like, I'll do something a bit similar to Riff over the top of it and we'll bang it out. It's yeah. a bit too it's a bit too sonambulant for me. Yeah, I mean no, I mean I think you're be, I think you're being quite generous here. I mean like I was listening to <laughs> oh, this. Oh it's not a great song. It's not oh, a good song. I, I was listening to this and I was <laughs> like it's a bad song. I was like if anybody missed Reverend and the Makers at Labour Live and oh, no, thought, that's God I could do that's with a dose. Quite harsh. I just I thought this was rubbish to be honest. There there, there are moments, there are moments, right, where musically I'm like Oh, that that's kind of interesting. And then it just goes right back into just a shitty verse. It's very vanilla and safe, isn't it? Yeah, but it, but more to the point, it's also the sort of thing that, like, I think we've heard it for a decade and more. And, well, that was enough already. That was too much already. It seems to be interesting because I haven't really, uh, well, I was never, never really involved with them to begin with. I knew of some of their songs, but I didn't keep up, certainly with. But they've been steady releasing albums and getting kind of decent write-ups, which... And they still have a crowd, maybe because of that crossover, like I said. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, fair play to them. I'm, I'm not going to be checking in again anytime soon, but keep doing what you're doing, lads. Well, you caused it, and I <laughs> I saw your vision through. Can you give me a number, though, please? Um, Give me number five, please, Dave. Another act that I kind of fell in love with in the late 2000s. It's Matthew Deere. Now, if you've never heard Matthew Deere before, you might see his name and be like, I bet he's an acoustic singer-songwriter, balladeer type. Yeah. You would be wrong. He is more of a... Hmm, the dark reflection of David Byrne, perhaps, I wonder? Uh, yeah, I could get on board with that. It's he probably makes, a bit too high praise. Yeah, well, I mean, like he makes kind of avant-garde, ghostly, which is the name of his fucking record label, uh, kind of sure. dark pop music. And I'm a fan. I think he's very interesting. I recall giving one of his albums a stunning four out of five in uh, Hot Press magazine back in the day. And this out is of off five, four out of five. Yeah. Okay. They used to before you joined. There was an out of five. Oh yeah. Yeah. It all changed. And, and back in the day, day it was like out of twelve or something, which was it? utterly ridiculous. It was a pair. I like of, when they mix up. It was a pair of dice, wasn't it? That, that's oh, why something. They, ridiculous. That's why they did. Yeah. 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 So it was lame. However. I, this song is called Bunny's Dream off the forthcoming album Bunny I believe it's called yeah because he likes the word and Matthew Deere wears many masks in his strange kaleidoscopic funhouse. and I would say that he you know like he makes kind of really melancholic dark ambient nightwave tracks he makes kind of strangely filthy electro bangers and he also makes really kind of interesting art pop this is kind of somewhere in the mix of all three, I guess. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a low-key, strange, abstract uh, haunted house banger. I really, really like this. Yeah, it's. Uh, I quite like it too. Um, it's atmospheric. I don't know if the kind of central guitar motif is quite strong enough to mm. carry it. Like it passes by and you're like, yeah, that was pretty good. But it doesn't quite grip me enough. I think actually the most interesting part was when his very, you know, uh, trademark sonorous voice comes in. That's what about when his um, arpeggiated synth machine goes off? Yeah, it's a nice moment, but oh, I don't know. I thought it was spreading itself a little bit thin, I must say. I mean, it, it's kind of a six-minute track with uh, quite a few different elements, I suppose. Um, 
perhaps breaking it up and exploring them in more detail would have actually been better all round, I think. Maybe there's a radio edit you can get on board with. Perhaps so, or more to the point, as we often say, maybe in the context of an album, it will provide a kind of a, a centerpiece. Oh yeah, he's uh, always in, in amongst tracks that yeah. do sort of do a deeper dive into one level or another. So yeah, very worth checking the guy out if you've never checked out his albums like As a Breed and Beams and uh, Black City. Very, very, very worth your time. Can I get a number, please, Colin? Uh, two. What, you want more strange, abstract, dancey house kind of collisions? It's my middle name, Dave. It's Aphex Twin. T69 Collapse. That's what I say. Limerick's finest. Did you get this press release during the week? No. Nah. Fucking. I love the posters that have gone up around the likes of London. Oh, he's doing another thing, is he? Yeah, Yeah. he's doing a thing. Tell us all. Oh, it's it's nonsense. Inform me. I don't know this. The press release itself is in the form of an image that's kind of collapsed in on itself. Oh, that's what the posters are like, yeah. Banter. Aphex Twin style banter. Yeah, I do. Jesus. Do we not love Aphex Twin? Richard D. Soccer. James. Yeah. Yeah. He once lived in a bank vault and owns a tank. And he's kind of from Limerick. He's kind of from Limerick. The yeah. Choice Prize Committee believe that he is Irish, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, am I getting the vibe that you're not into this kind of stuff? No, 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 no. I actually think it's all right. I'm just hate his fucking press releases. I once had I to go on the oh, dark yeah, web this is, yeah, this three the years thing. ago. Yeah, I knew it was previous. When he brought out, was it Cyro? Was Cyro, his last yeah. record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to fucking like download some sort of weird browser and go on the dark web on to the get hot details. press computer yeah and no i had my own computer with me that's dangerous why. man yeah, enemy of the state stuff there you're yeah. gonna be navigating hitmen and heroin the amount of drugs that i ordered that later that night though made it all worthwhile <laughs> um no this is good I, I quite enjoyed this actually um yeah he's good at this kind like, of thing <laughs> rather yes he's he, i mean it's what he does but uh but he's so technically gifted Oh, I, I, I think as in like He's even, almost peerless Even though it's really avant-garde Like it never jars And like you say Yeah I mean He's, he's one of a kind really And it's so kind of Discombobulating I, I think the video That goes along with it Which I haven't watched um, But it was Flagged And there was a bit of Controversy around it Because it didn't pass Like the epilepsy yeah. Test. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, it was supposed to premiere on like Adult Swim or something yeah. and it was too intense. And I am not surprised because this song feels like it could trigger epilepsy. Like it's right. that kind of thing. It's very discombobulating. But I like that it's not too, it's not glitchy or haphazard. There's a real, it feels almost like kind of tactile. It's yeah. like his, it reminds me a bit of like his Analord stuff from probably over a decade ago now, but it feels like he's playing proper instruments and he's he's physically there making stuff consciously happen. It's kind of, the drums are all over the place, but they're very purposely pulling you somewhere. And I like the way they're kind of glossing over this melancholy synth stuff um, in a way that kind of makes you delve even more into it. I thought there was a lot of purpose to it and I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah it's intense, but in a great way. It's a great track. You, you know, he has a very high standard and I think he meets it. There's one track left and it's another abstract housey kind of strange one from Jape. It's called Yeah. Surprise release came out at the weekend mm-hmm. before his set at All Together Now Festival, which by all accounts was an excellent festival. Yeah, yeah and by all accounts he was fantastic. As for well. its debut offering, I spoke to Roisin Murphy afterwards on Tuesday for a chat. She's uh, launched a podcast, lads. She's gone up against us. What's the podcast about? Bring it. Bring uh, it. Her, Music news of the week. Her interviewing. Her interviewing various people. Um, right. But uh, she was sounding cool, and I got a really awkward photograph. So uh, I hear you didn't know what to do with your did hands. Did not did know you? what to do with my hands yet again. <laughs> uh, I didn't ask for the photo. The fucking PR sprung it on me, and I did my best. But uh, she's cool. 
no surprise there. Jape's also pretty cool. What do we think of his latest offering? I love Richie. Uh, personally, I've <laughs> given him shout-outs on this show before because anybody who was cool when I did student radio gets it paid back now. Yeah. Um, this is fantastic, I thought. He's capable of switching up a lot, to be fair, in terms of, you know, he can write sort of like proper bangers. He can write something close to kind of like, you know, acoustic singer songwritery music. Or he can do this, which is really nicely layered, really textured sort of a, an electronic tune. And yeah, I thought it was fabulous. I Listening to it back to back with Aphex Twin, you were like, holy shit. Like, Richie is fully capable of producing at that sort of level. It reminded me a bit of like old PlayStation game soundtracks, like a kind of yeah, weird me too. underworld, like Crash Bandicoot thing going on with some of the drums and things. Um, I was reading an interview with him very recently in Hot Press, and he was talking about how he got a lot of work in the last year or two doing the soundtrack stuff for a Nick Jr. show. Kid show. It's the animated oh, yeah. thing, and it's kind of, obviously it's taken care of a lot of the bills and stuff, mm-hmm. so he's just been able to do kind of what he wants with the music, and you can obviously it's, he's not going for the hits on this one he's doing what he wants but it feels like a lot of those influences are feeding into this um, which I thought was interesting I thought it was great too um, he was also talking about how he feels more and more that I don't know if it's with social media or with just kind of the bombardment of content and opinion and stuff he's less and less um eager to get across, kind of vocalise his opinions on things or kind of put them in lyrical form. Um, so he prefers to just kind of go wordless and just, you know, a chord kind of sums up feelings more so than words can. I think that's a, an interesting approach here and I think it works really well. Loved it. Loved getting lost within it. And I would agree with you. Yeah, I thought of video game soundtracks. I thought of kind of strange independent film soundtracks. And yeah. it made me want more. Like, that's the thing. I mean, even the way that it ends, it almost ends kind of abruptly. And then yeah. it's a, bit of a little bit of a beat and a pause. And you're like, oh, like, is that meant to be there? What door is this going to unlock? Like, like there's an ellipsis at the end of this track, really. Yeah. And it takes you over. Like, it's almost five minutes long. And it, it, it totally just smooths into itself and, and takes you with it and yeah coming off the back of the Aphex Twins on they kind of make for strange bedfellows uh, yeah big Jape fan big Richie fan I think he's a very interesting character and I mean this Chemical C three years ago oh, is still a vital record uh, he's managed to change it up over the course of his career like few artists can you you look forward to new Jape music because you know it's very very rarely if ever phoned in and once again taking us on a new kind of landscape and I'm very intrigued to see where he will go from here this is a great song definitely one of the best songs of the year in the other listening corner this week uh, and last week actually I forgot to mention it which is not a great sign is it uh, Alessandro Cortini who is a touring member with Nine Inch Nails has a project of his own called Sonoio he's had that for a few years released a couple of EPs and albums along the way he brought out an album there a six track apparently it's his last one uh, in the project it's called Fine and it's pretty much summed up by its title it's grand, like it's okay. It's uh, I like what he does, but he's never he's always been an artist that I admired rather than fell for. And one of the six tracks is a track that he put out like three or four years ago called "Thanks for Calling," which is a fucking fabulous song. But why is it here? You know, it's grand. It's a perfectly grand album. I wouldn't really uh, recommend it terribly highly or unhighly. Go check it out if you like electronic music. YG dropped an album last week. It's oh, called yeah. Stay Dangerous. And yeah, I think he's one of the most underrated rappers in the game, to he's be great. honest. Um, yeah, he's great. His last record was fantastic. This is just as good. And, like, for some reason, it's just not happening. And I guess it's not going to at this point. But uh, No, no. Yeah. There's no real crossover. But check it out. He's great. Um, I've been listening to her, or H-E-R, uh, or mm. Gabby Wilson, uh, California kind of R&B artist. She's only about 20. She's released this, um, de- I don't know if it's a debut EP. It isn't a debut EP, but it's a new EP. It's about six songs, which is nearly an album. Uh, I used to know her, and there's a great song on it called As I Am. She's great. There's shades of 80s-influenced Jerry Paul kind of synths going on. Her voice oh. is very Tiana. Um I really like it, shockingly. Just so waiting yeah, for her to her turn out. up in a hard hat and hive his vest I shortly. Know. Yeah, it's right up my street. Um, <laughs> I actually, I also quite enjoyed the new Jake Shears song, which was on our long list. Um, and it's a bit Elton Johnny, and it's kind of nice to get him back because I think Scissor Sisters was slightly underrated. I'd no? agree with that. Yeah, they had some good yeah. stuff. I like their Night Moves album from probably five years ago now. 
Um, they're always good for hits. So it's kind of cool just to see I him back. I never went back to the Scissors. Sister, <laughs> very, like. very, uh, very friendly interview, is. I interviewed yes, him. Yes, yeah. I interviewed Baby Daddy and Animatronic, and they were bus. sound. Yeah, I interviewed well, no, him as well. It was in a hotel room for oh, okay. Arthur's Day shenanigans. Oh, yeah. tell us more about that. Let's reminisce about your, your <laughs> I day, remember your day with the iPad. Day. Was it? it was supposed to be you. I know. Yeah, it could have been me. Yeah. So um, I think Craig was unavailable, and I had, I had a, a day off. <laughs> I, had a, I had a really bad flu. And I had to go over to like the fucking Morrison Hotel, I think it was, yeah, and do a bunch of interviews for Arthur's Day with an iPad. So I had to, like, oh, put, sorry, had, that's why I thought it was on a bus because had to put most, most of the stories of you pointing iPads at people like six inches away from their faces are at the bus at Electric Picnics. So. Most of the stories, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's something I regularly do. That is true. I once sat in on an interview with Selena Murphy and DJ Shadow, in which I had to hold the fucking iPad up to his face, his very yeah, intense face for 20 minutes. Yeah. It was the old Phantom Bus back in the day. Ah. We've lived lives, guys. And <laughs> on that day, I went over, yeah, iPad in hand. And of course, nobody had been briefed that I was doing an iPad thing. So I interviewed uh, Flory. Remember her? Yeah. I interviewed a DJ called Yasmin, who had to go put on her makeup because she didn't know it was video. Uh, Miles Kane wouldn't let me film. Aloe <laughs> Black wouldn't let me film. So I interviewed them like with my dictaphone and then did nothing with the audio. And also, Scissor Sisters were perfectly fine with their images being captured on camera, and they were sound. No I also, random Amish sort of I also interviewed, soul-stealing Panratty. <laughs> I also interviewed Paloma Faith, and I remember getting a YouTube comment by someone saying... Oh, she loved the camera, Someone yeah. said, oh, nice. interviewer sounds interested, and it's true. I sounded quite tired, because I was, and I had the flu, but also it taught me about pitching my voice. And as a matter of fact, if you go back to the first 30 episodes of this podcast, I thought I still was. And then I got more brilliant as time has gone on. And that's why I sound like a game show host most times, listener, because I feel like it's better on your ears. Yeah, and I had a great day off that day. <laughs> I had a great day in the hotel. Kelly Jones was there, Stereophonics. Is he oh, as... Really oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Much, yeah. He is, Was he wearing a leather jacket? He's pint-sized, and he was wearing a leather jacket. Fantastic. And he's flirting with the pure women, all of whom were called Sophie. <laughs> it was a strange day. Okay, yeah. A strange, strange day, and I remember it well. This episode of No Encore was engineered by our sonic architect, Eve Murray, who I hope will be in attendance on Sunday, October the 14th in the Workman's Club. Indeed. Get your tickets. Eve doesn't need one, but you need one, listener. Get one now. Get more than one. Buy six of them. Put them in the freezer. Um, Exit music this week was chosen by Craig Fitzpatrick. Yes, it's Owen O'Neill. Uh, he's a Clonic Kilty singer-songwriter who Clark. released his debut... Yes, yeah, sure thing. Uh, his debut EP this summer, Songs from My Windowsill, is a series of introspections that employs folk and psychedelic sounds to melodically document a four-year mental journey. Uh, it, very interesting. So if you can hear those sounds live in the Perlation in... Cork! <laughs> on Friday, August 17th. And ahead of that, here's the lead single, Woe Mine. My name is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And here is Owen O'Neill with Woe Mine. Good night.
They're just mistakes I'm not proud of podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.